when you get there to think, do I belong here? What am I doing here? More now. Totally out of my own future. But you quickly learn that when you start to have conversations with people, that you've got something in common. I wanted to make sure there's still a future, so all the trails still. I like the idea of taking that first step. I have this idea that the kids these days need to do X, you know, or this uh, one kid in my class can't do Z, and I'm going to make a whole course to make sure it's easy. Uh, whether you're taking this Welcome to EdTrex Rewind. Turn it over to EdTrex Rewind for our EdCamp keynote. Let's give him a hand. Thank you. Uh, I'm so excited to be here today. I'm so excited it's Saturday. Uh, I'm mostly excited because tonight we got an extra hour of sleep. How are you guys feeling about that? Uh, yeah, what that means though is if you're, to, if today you feel like this is one of those days that I'm never going to get that hour back, you'll get it back tonight, right? So, so that's one thing you can't say about normal professional development. So we are set. We're, we're recording live. Yeah. Right now. This guy right here. So we're going to set this up. Uh, yeah, these little microphones, that's recording Matt and I. And then we're also have another microphone here, which is based, basically going to be for our audience participation. Yeah. Right? So you're, you might think of this one of two things. This is the really, the kind of like the coolest thing that I've seen. Or you're going to say, these guys just found a way to not prepare a keynote. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, but that's what we do when we go on the podcast. Heavy dose of nerd. Heavy dose of nerd. Yes. Heavy dose of nerd. Um, so I want to start by telling the story of how the EdTrex Rewind podcast started, and Matt's going to give really some insight on on really the some of the benefits of podcasts. I think yeah. there might be a podcast session a little bit later, but um, it really began. Um, I had the opportunity to participate in the Google Innovator Academy, and I started to work on my Google project, and this was a little over a year ago. And I came back and I started working on some things, and Matt was a teacher in the district that I was at at the time, up in Weber, and we crossed paths. And I invited Matt to participate. Oh, come on. Cross paths sound so formal, Matt. I mean, well, you made me do a breakout session that took me eight hours to finish. And I'm still not done with it. I'm <laughs> sitting on my desktop. Still. Okay, that's true. So I conned Matt <laughs> <laughs> into uh, basically jumping on my bandwagon as I worked on my Google project. So I saw Matt had a lot of things that would help me along with my project, a lot of skills and abilities. And we started to have conversations. And a lot of those conversations, when we thought we had 15 minutes to catch up, all of a sudden turned, it in, turned into a couple of hours. Yeah. Um, and so we were really kind of on the same page. We felt like there was an opportunity to really start to make a difference. And so we were, we were on our way. We we're going to be heading to Austin, Texas with a group of teachers um, for South by Southwest EDU. And I said, why not, like, why aren't we not doing a podcast during this? We have this great opportunity as a group of teachers. Why don't we go to these sessions at night? We'll record the session, or we'll record a, a podcast talking about what we learned. And it, that's where it kind of sprouted from. And, and, and to be honest, I'm like, oh, man, we don't have any equipment. We've never really done this before. Sounds like a lot of work. And Matt goes, oh, I've got some equipment. It's in yeah. the closet. <laughs> My first day on, on, uh, as a teacher, I was like, uh -huh. you're buying me a couple hundred dollars worth of equipment. And they were like, okay. I don't know what it is, but you're bu we're buying it for you. And I was like, yes. I that. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> so we, we loaded up the microphones. We head to South by Southwest EDU. And really our strategy, more than anything, we hadn't really planned um, what the podcast is about or some kind of strategy. We just said, you know what, let's just record what we learned each day and share it out. 
All right, and that was part of really what my, my program was, was to help bring those moments to teachers that couldn't actually be at the conference, right? Not a lot of people can get their, talk their schools into paying for them to, to ship you off to Texas and go and, and have this great experience. So we started to think, how might we be able to bring that back or to teachers from anywhere? And so we liked the idea of the podcast. And then just kind of expanded from there, we started talking to the Utah Teaching Fellows. What, what? There's a few of those. Nice, there we go. Um, and working with people locally, like you said, and trying to get as many people you locally, but also nationally, to come and talk to us uh, for 20 minutes and figure out different ways to talk about education in interesting and engaging ways. Yeah, so one of the things that you might see at almost any conference throughout the state sometimes is Matt and I off to the side with microphones and pulling people aside um, to record episodes of our podcast. So we. We really learned that we didn't have to have a studio. We could start to record anywhere. And really, we have devices just about anywhere um, with us at all times. But that's a little bit of how it got started. It kind of evolved from yeah. there. So it's one of the things that we love to do. So, so each speaking of technology, what do you think of data privacy rules? That's a good question. I know. It's a huge one, right? Right? Yeah. Stuff that's going on right now in Utah, things that are happening, is kind of scary for a lot of teachers, I think. Mm -hmm. Anybody agree that data privacy is kind of a scary thing right now? Right? A little anxious? Everyone in the room just goes, <laughs> Hey, but I think, Matt, rather than us talking about data privacy, why don't we get some feedback? I like it. It's EdCamp, right? So people have to participate. It's true. Right? So if we gave you a sticker that looks like this guy, come Thanks on stand up. up. Come on up. Come on up. Yes, yes. Or let's, let's throw this in there, Matt. Yeah. Let's say if you have a thought on data privacy that you want to share, you're more than welcome to hey, join I, us. I gave out two types well. of stickers, so if you got this one. That sticker. The big sticker. Alan, I think you're in the There screen. we go. Yeah, yeah. Is that it? <laughs> That's our highly technical way of getting people to participate, right? So we tried to hedge our bet a little bit by saying nobody's going to volunteer, so let's go find some people before. So I want to point out something, too, that uh, what happens when you show up to an ed camp early? This, this happens. happens yeah. <laughs> All right. So, you need to put on a list. or if you know us. <laughs> so here are the participation rules for these folks. For first of all, thank you. Is I've got the microphone right here, and I'm going to basically be the reporter in this situation. I'll hold up the microphone. You get a chance to introduce yourself. So you can say your name, what you do, where you're at. Throw in your Twitter handle, right? So we pick up some extra followers once we uh, we publish the episode, and then. Tell us your thoughts on data, data privacy. Maybe it's something you like, maybe it's something you don't like, maybe it's something you have questions about, right? So I'm gonna start uh, right to left. Okay. So, and start with your name. My name is Kira Bettis, and my Twitter handle is kbettis. Um, little plug for Utah Ed Chat Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. So, um, that's also a really, really good resource. Um, I work at Bingham High. I am an ELA teacher, but I also teach history. And um, I've been dabbling in the tech world, so data privacy is obviously a huge issue. But do you have a question about it? Or? Yeah, what, okay. what are your thoughts on data privacy? Oh, like it's a huge issue, but it's one that we're going to have to address because our, our world is a digital world. And this is the world that our kids are going into. And so we need to raise them to be like digitally literate citizens and that they can participate in civic discussions online, but then also that they can keep their, um, they can maintain their privacy online and um, make sure that they're not <laughs> putting stuff that is out there forever that they might be embarrassed about later. Okay, excellent, right. great. We're gonna move along and then- Give her a golf clap. Awesome. Awesome. 
That's it. You can actually, you can take a seat yeah. if you want, right? All right. And uh, next up here, we'll go through all of these, then Matt and I will kind of throw in. Okay, my name is Melissa Judkins. I am a family consumer science teacher at Walquist Junior High in Weber District. And my Twitter handle is um, this is Judkins. So <laughs> I'm hoping I'm the only one out there. Anyway, um, <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, this is something, data privacy is something that I am like constantly worrying about. And I don't really have answers yet. And I think that being here and listening to other people is where I'm going to get some answers because I don't know. I think that's a great answer. I think most of us don't know everything about it and we have to turn to some expertise at some point. Right, right. and the question is too after that, where do you go for answers? What do I really need to know about data privacy as a teacher? Okay. No, very insightful. Hi. I'm Leslie Lewis. I'm with the Salt Lake City School District. And um, in our case, I hate to get, give away family secrets, but Salt Lake City is really strict on data privacy, and um, they have to look through every website and every um, organization like Canvas and to make sure that GIS, make sure that student data is very protected, and sometimes it's really frustrating for the ed techs and for the teachers because it's so restricting. Very good. Frustrating, you don't say. Thanks, Les. <laughs> <laughs> and finally. Uh, I'm Alan Reese. I teach sixth grade at Loman View Elementary in Weber School District. Shout out to Weber School District. Uh, let's see. This is my, you can't see this, but this is my South by Southwest <laughs> shirt. Oh, okay. <laughs> with these guys to Austin. It was fantastic. So it's been great working with Matt and Quinn all this time. They're fabulous. Be sure to follow them. Uh, data privacy, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of, I guess, the school version or the data version of TSA. It's a, <laughs> yeah. it's a pain going to the airport and taking off your shoes and your belt and moving your laptop around. But in a way, it's necessary. And I guess data privacy in a way is like that. It's a hassle taking off your shoes and your belt every time you want to log in and get your kids to do it. And it's a hassle for them, especially in elementary. But I guess it's necessary, so it's something we'll just have to put up with. And then we put our shoes and belt back on, and we go on with the flight. Thank you, Alan. Give him a round of applause, folks. Round of applause. What do you think, Quinn? Well, I think we heard uh, a lot of things right there, yeah. right? Um, some of the things that really stood out to me is it's frustrating. Yes. Right? Um, I really don't understand it, right? And then really there's kind of, you have to tolerate it in a way, right? So I think that, that kind of covers quite a few things. Yeah, what and do you I think? think one of the things that we're coming up against here real quick too is what, how can we use training to apply this? Because it feels like, obviously there's a little bit of fear going on with this, but on top of it, not everyone knows exactly what's happening. Um, we sh you know, as uh, Leslie said, sometimes districts black box what's going on with data privacy or just black box everything which isn't necessarily a great way to explore the issue and get the information out to an audience. And so that's a big problem right there. And so does training help with that, do you think, Quinn? Uh, yeah, I think definitely training would help. But if I were to even wrap up kind of data privacy in a way is that, yeah, we're in this world where it's changing and there's all kinds of information out there. And it makes me wonder, and I don't think there's an answer to this, and we'll never, never solve, I think, the world's problems in an, in an episode of our podcast. But it, it kind of makes me wonder, it's like, are we just the generation right now of teachers that we have to figure that out and figure out the data yeah. privacy? And we don't understand it, but maybe our students and our kids, since they're really embedded in their information and that's the world that they live in, that there is more 
tolerance or their accepting of it or just understand that better than, than we do. So I think that's just fascinating to explore. But training, I think, helps to kind of solve a lot of that. So that means we need, oh, we already talked yeah. about this. Yep. Um, audience is right. Congratulations. So then the question is, what's training got to do with it? Do with it. Do with it. Right? Isn't that a song? <laughs> Some of you got it, right? I didn't even realize. Did you I'm, do that I'm, intentionally? I'm glad you did that. Because yeah. I put that in there, yeah. Well, were you going to sing that? Because I could let you sing. What's training got to do? Got to do with it. Oh, thank you, Chorus. Hey. Nice. All right. Yeah. All right. Everybody's in. Other people have had coffee. This is awesome. So, yeah, training is one of those things that could help address some of those concerns when it comes to data privacy. But really, the next question that we want to ask when it comes to training is about the best training and professional development ever. That's our question. That's our question. That's that's where the other volunteers come into what play. Does it, what does it mean to have the best training ever? How How... How have you been engaged in a way that has blown your mind and made you want to just change the entire educational paradigm? What made it? What are those components? What are yeah. those elements? Awesome. I, so, thank you. I thought you guys were voting with your feet. Yeah. Um, yeah I was a little worried about but that. But you're actually just getting out of the sun. So that was good. I had me a little nervous for a second. I'm like, we're losing. If you got one them. of these stickers, folks, come on up. Yeah, this is the next come group. Or if you have some thoughts on some training or we need one more volunteer. So if there's somebody that really wants to talk about a training that they went to as well. Yes! Is that guy coming? No. Yes. yes. He's coming up here. Look, he's coming this way. He has no idea. Oh, and he's veering off? No. No, there you go. <laughs> All right, we'll start here. If you think of something, you're going to come up? All right, oh, nice. we got one more. Sweet. This is great. Um, excellent. So same format as before. So now we're on the second half of the show. Um, we'll edit. We'll put in a commercial or something we'll to talk about EdCamps um, in between that. Because so. it's this is a bit more in-depth question because it's all personal experience. What was the best thing that you learned or best best thing that you best training you went to and how it worked out? What made it great? What made it great? Right? Yeah. All right. So you'll have one minute. Again, state your name for our listeners. Um, here and around the world. Hopefully, yeah. We have some around the world. Yeah, so, all right. So. Ben Alvord at Mr. Alvord. Uh, I teach in Tooele County School District. I'm a history teacher. Um, so we'll put Ed Camp as number two, right, for the best training ever. But I'm going to plug another program, Driven to Teach. I think they're still accepting applications right now. Uh, Larry Miller Group pays to take history teachers back east. So this summer, I spent a week in Boston and Philadelphia experiencing the history being there. And then you have Jeff Noakes, who is great from BYU, and Jay Buckley were there to teach us pedagogy and enforce everything we were learning. So by far, experiential training, I think, is the best. So experience, getting out and seeing the real world, seeing how it works and engages different people. I love that. That's awesome. Excellent. Thanks so much. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Clap. 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 Oh, uh, we can add that in later, too, if we need to. So. <laughs> can you just grab that stock clap <laughs> yeah. in the 1960s? Yeah. I may get the most applause. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jackie Acosta. Uh, I teach at Walquist Junior in Weber. I actually teach with Matt, so I feel like I know a famous person. So she got, um, she got duped, basically. No, no, no. Um, so I've actually been to Driven to Teach also. Amazing experience. It was fantastic. Um, but I really like trainings also, not just when you get the experience necessarily, but when you have choice. So I know we've run um, Brain Blast kind of similarly where you have your 
you know, two walking feet and you can choose where you want to go. So I think that's really important because not everybody's at the same level. So I think if you have a choice of where you want to go and if it's not really meeting your needs, if you can go somewhere where you're going to actually learn something that you can use in your classroom, that's really important for me. Nice. So, so choice, building it up. Yeah. Getting oh, your, giving it and um, any training that Matt did. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. Uh, you over lunch or something? I know. Is that, that like... is? No, I think uh, I think that's something to Your keep in mind. Your checks in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> all right. My name is Jenna Augustine. I'm on Twitter at Mrs. Underscore Augustine. I teach junior high English at South Ogden Junior High in Weber School District. I'm also an ed tech coach. So uh, impactful trainings is kind of a big deal to me. I wouldn't say I'm guilty of ever having done an impactful training yet. I'm still working on it. It's hard to get good feedback from the people you're training. But for me, the most powerful thing is I'm going to give three, but I'll be brief. Is okay. that okay? Yes. Uh-huh. All right. We're timing you. Google Garage, we got to do design thinking as a group of ed, ed tech teachers. That was amazing. Um, I took some Google Classroom ed, uh, ed tech trainings from Alice Keeler. She facilitated them, and you'd do them on your own time, and they were based around something you wanted to learn more about. And then you'd submit something and submit questions and get feedback. So doing it on my own time was a big deal. The last one would be Twitter. I look for a hashtag I'm interested. I find someone I'm interested in, and I watch every single instructional GIF that they post, even if it's just about adding an email signature. That's how I learn. Nice. Mm. Very interesting. You know, I, I like that. Uh, I like really thinking about professional development as like it's personal, yeah. right? And you can go get it anytime, anywhere. It's really accessible. Personal, engaging, and then like a lot of choice. And I think that's where we got to get into. Love it. Hi, I'm Greg Cox. I felt like I needed to come up here because I am the student data privacy trainer for the state of Utah. All right. So, yes. hey, it's like we planned that. That was like perfect. Data privacy training. training yeah. And here we go. And I used to teach fourth grade up in Logan, but I've been doing this for the last year or so. And it was interesting to hear your thoughts on data privacy, and I just want to talk to every one of you about it. Um, and that's kind of my mission. So as a trainer, that's the question I ask myself is, like, what are the trainings that are useful to teachers and administrators? And we have to think about the whole community as well, like parents and things like that. And that's hard for me to wrap my head around. So if you can tell me, let me know. Um, but also, <laughs> just as a teacher, the, the trainings that helped me the most were ones that I wanted to engage in and had the resources to do it. But also seeing it done, I don't like just talking about something. I like going into a class and actually observing and watching them do it in their own class because then I can see how they actually deal with the problems that they don't talk about in just like a session, but it's also you get to see that on the ground floor. So that's awesome. That's it. That's excellent. Uh, that, quite, quite honestly, we didn't plan that, yeah. right? Because uh, this next slide says, you know, putting a bow on it, training and privacy. And so, so that Thank works you, out absolutely perfectly. I feel like we should, like, yell at Jared and Danny and be like, we have a moderator for a data privacy session. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't post it yet. Right? So I, I was waiting for them to come and if they're still working on the schedule to do this whole buying time thing. So put a bow on it, Matt. I feel like if we're going to institute something as big as data privacy for students and in a district where multiple stakeholders, like Greg said, we have so many people coming into the picture, whether it be parents or community members, 
We have companies and corporations, we have students and we have teachers of all levels. We've got to have all those stakeholders and we've got to have training for all those people. And we've got to engage them with differentiated, interesting, engaging, hands-on trainings that gets everyone engaged with what's going on. And so it's just kind of something to work towards. Um, it's, I mean, everything that we talked about takes a lot of time, like Jenna said. I mean, it's hard to create an engaging, exciting training, especially about something that can be as dry as data privacy. Sorry, Greg. Um, <laughs> but it is it, it's so, so vital that we have to figure out how to engage those two levels and get people excited about what's going on. Well, you're right. I think when you talk about in, engaging those two levels, yeah. but the thing that stood out to me as well when Greg was saying is all those stakeholders – yeah. Right. We understand it from our perspective and our role in education and teaching. Sometimes it's hard to step out of that box and take on that perspective to see how they understand it. Right. To look at it as a parent or as even even the vendor in that case that they might be working with as the administrator on the district level. So really trying to take in that perspective, I think, maybe helps break down some of those barriers and understand it a little bit more. But then on the training side a little bit, too. I mean, what resources might be out there to fit the needs of how our teachers learn? Right, hands-on. Maybe it's self-paced. Maybe, maybe it's something that's more formal. But I think that that's what will kind of make the difference, regardless of data privacy or some new initiative or rollout or, yeah. or how money's being spent. Well, especially as we're looking at it from a teacher perspective, we have to really consider that this is not just something that affects us; it affects everyone in the community. And if I, I'm guilty of this too, I sit and go, oh, "Data privacy laws. I really want X tool in my classroom. Mm -hmm. I'm being blocked by data privacy." But I have to also remember. You know, maybe that tool isn't the best thing for the student. Maybe that's not the best thing for the community. Or mm -hmm. maybe there's something in the way that I need to work through with the community to get, get it into the classroom. And so that's something to kind of work towards. Yeah, I, I, you're, you're kind of sparking all of these thoughts. And I kind of, I kind of think about taking kind of the parent perspective uh, for a minute. When data privacy started to really take hold and it became a major concern, I started to think about it as a parent, right? And my, my thought was, and I think I've shared this with you before, but I think there are about 100 people here I haven't. Um, so, so they can hear it for the first time. But I started to think about it as a parent. And my daughter, who is nine, she was eight at the time, I started to think about really if, if she's struggling with her times tables, um, honestly, I don't, I don't care who knows about it. I just want her to be helped. And if there was an app that could help her uh, as a parent, my, my kind of perspective was by all means. Right. But then stepping out as a parent into what they do with that information beyond just getting feedback to help develop the app and the programs, then I would be a little more concerned in that case. You know, so it's hard to determine kind of what that information is doing. Is that is that really building the programs? Is it developing that or are they looking to just build their business and sending that information somewhere else? Right. Is it data mining or is it right. data protection? Yeah, exactly. There's all kinds of data out there. But then then I was like, OK, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I want her to do that. I can step in and use some other tools. But if, if that app is out there and it's been proven that they can use that app. It's going to be very helpful, and we're not concerned about the vendor taking that information and running with it. Then I'd feel a lot more comfortable as a parent keeping my kids safe. Well, awesome. Thanks, guys. This has been awesome. Any That's uh, another episode of the uh, EdTrex podcast. We should probably wrap it up. Then yeah. we'll have to record that later, right? Yeah. So um, thanks for listening. And, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, that's right. So thanks for joining us. Or stop. This guy is